spoke on yesterday's show about James Harrison and what he said on Fox Sports. Harrison said Lev Bell shouldn't show up until after week 10, play the minimal games, burn the year on the contract, and go into free agency with more tread on his tires and thus be more attractive. There's a couple things we ignored yesterday talking about that. One is James Harrison doesn't like the Steelers at this point and would say crap like this just to get under their skin. Maybe Harrison is hoping for self-fulfilling prophecy. Two is, maybe Harrison knows something. He's still close to Antonio Brown. He trains with A.B. Maybe Bell told Harrison something. Maybe the story that Bell's going to report Monday is indeed fake news. I keep saying, this Bell story isn't as simple as it looks. Some of you might say, there's no way Bell is stupid enough to pass up paydays that are worth 855 k per game. But you know, maybe Bell is that stupid. And he's gotten a lot of bad advice to this point in his career and listened to a lot of it. Maybe Bell won't be there come Monday. Mostly, I think James Harrison is a dink. I can't believe any Pittsburgh Steeler fan would give that jerk the time of day after the shenanigans Harrison pulled last year and now, again, trying to lobby Bell to miss games. What an asshat. This is the Mark Madden Show. I am a super genius with a tested IQ of 166, and you can't teach that. I don't have a batting average of 167, though. 412-333-9939 is the number to call, or you could follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. I know Pirate season uh, might as well be over, especially now that they cut Sean Rodriguez. Uh, and by the way, don't cheer the Pirates for making that move. That's merely doing the right thing. Months after it should have been done, months after doing it could have helped the team, and it doesn't undo all of Rodriguez's starts and at-bats. But the Pirates shut out St. Louis last night. That's 14 shutouts on the year, and Trevor Williams has started in eight of those. Trevor Williams is having a real good year in a white-sot second half. Okay, back to Lev Bell. Let me play devil's advocate with the Lev Bell thing for just a second. Lev Bell knows Tomlin is going to run him into the ground till the wheels come off. By the way, one of the dumbest things Tomlin ever did was say that out loud about Willie Parker. Tomlin, having said that, shouldn't imbue Bell with any confidence that Tomlin is even remotely looking out for Bell's best interest. Bell is playing for himself. When you know you're in your last year with the team and it's free agency after that, you're playing for yourself. And yeah, 
You want to avoid 400 touches. You want to save your body some. Mike Pursuta from the DVE Morning Show says that Bell has always been a workhorse back. It's in his blood. Pursuta says Bell would welcome that again this season, free agency or no. And maybe that's true, but Bell has never been in this situation before, and money is thicker than blood. At least that's what I'm guessing Bell feels. So Bell isn't thinking about his teammates right now or about winning a Super Bowl. The only true factor in Bell's equation when it comes to when to report is does he want to pass up those game checks? If he doesn't, the price he pays will be wear and tear, and yeah, that could affect his free agency, although I doubt it. And let me now play devil's advocate for Tomlin. When Bell arrives, whenever that may be, Tomlin should run him till the wheels fall off. It is not at all incumbent on Mike Tomlin to care about Le'Veon Bell's fate in free agency. Not one little bit. Your thoughts on this burning issue? James Harrison really did stoke the fire on Fox Sports, didn't he? Dial 412-333-WXDX. Cleveland caught Michael Kendricks, the linebacker. He just got arrested for insider trading. No, the Steelers should not pick him up. The Steelers just aren't going to pick up somebody that's just been indicted for a felony. And plus, Kendricks ain't that good. But he may be better than Bostick. The Steelers host Carolina tonight. A few spots are still up for grabs on the 53-man roster. I'm more concerned about the 46-man game day roster, and I'm kind of betting all those spots are taken. I guess the punting battle provides some drama, especially if they kick each other in the nuts, as I am hoping. Do you think James Harrison speculated that Bell might miss games because Harrison wants to F with the Steelers? Or do you think Harrison knows something? I'm not dismissing either possibility. Also, what do you think of James Harrison? Now that we're a few months removed from him finagling his way to the Patriots, the Steelers' big rival, after intentionally being a disruption in that Steelers' locker room by way of greasing his way out of town. I mean, first that, and now this, stirring the sewage with Le'Veon Bell. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Here's an example of uh, self-glorification posing as having a superior moral compass. Some trustee at Ohio State quit. He resigned because he feels the football coach, Urban Meyer, was not punished harshly enough for mangling the handling of an assistant coach being a domestic abuser. Well, that trustee can feel that way, and he can quit. That's his prerogative. Just as it was the university's prerogative to keep Urban Meyer. But we all know it's no fun unless you ruin somebody's life. By the way, Zach Smith now says he did not beat his wife. 
Well, if he didn't beat his wife, none of this would have happened. That said, it never went to court, did it? To really know, I think it needs to go to court. We got a quick call. Let's get the calls flowing right away. Bill and Sarver, you're on with Double M. Mr. Madden, to James Harrison's point, if Le'Veon plays six games, he satisfies the contract year, correct? Correctamundo. So why wouldn't Le'Veon play games one through six and set out the remaining ten, allowing for a margin of error? Because you can't do that, bro. Once you sign the tender, you're under contract for the team for the entire season. Understood. Thank now, you now what I, what I wouldn't rule out is whenever Bell does report, he gets the proverbial whammy in his hammy, and he sits out the whole season and gets paid, whatever fraction he's there for. And uh, we're going to have Jeremy Fowler of ESPN joining me at 4.30, and he wrote a real interesting article about the inexact nature of the hamstring injury how treating it is hardly an exact science, and how there's rarely a timetable to be adhered to when it comes to returning from a hamstring injury. I hope Le'Veon Bell doesn't read that article. Like I said, we got Fowler at 4.30. we got Greg Gattuso, the coach at Albany at 3.30. Pitt hosts Albany at Hinesfield this Saturday in the Pitt football season opener. In just a moment, I'm going to talk about that rarest of rarities, a worthwhile article on Deadspin, and it just rips the Steelers to shreds. And the method used is truth. That's always the most effective weapon. 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. This is Mark Madden. It is. A double N, big fan. I think there's a better chance of me and Selena Gomez being parents to triplets. The X at 105.9. Do you think James Harrison speculated Bell might miss games because Harrison wants to mess with the Steelers? Or do you think he knows something? My guest at 4.30, Jeremy Fowler from ESPN, tweeted earlier today that, as far as he knows, there's no definite plan for Bell to report Monday. And this just a couple days after, Fowler tweeted that Steeler players told him Bell would be there Monday. Any Steeler fan who likes James Harrison at this point is just as big a dink as he is. 412-333-9939. Ah. Deadspin.com has this series before every NFL season. Why your team sucks. They just write an article about every single NFL team and rip it to shreds. Uh, Drew McGarry writes a lot of them, and he's pretty funny. And he wrote about the Steelers. He wrote that the Steelers' 2017 season, quote, was unwatchable from beginning to end. This team can make any 13-3 season feel like an 8-8 season. The only thing I remember from them last season is when one of their linebackers had his spinal column severed, and for some reason I was supposed to feel good that he didn't manage to die out on the field, unquote. Uh, That's true. Remember that? Shazier got paralyzed, and we were made to feel like it was a triumph, not the tragedy it was. Even more so now that Shazier is walking, and that's great, but it's still a tragedy. It's still an indictment of football. 
As a reader writes into McGarry, which is part of the column, quote, in the not-too-distant future, this team will shamelessly leverage Ryan Shazier as a talisman of valor and perseverance and not as a victim or cautionary tale of the brutality and wanton violence that abused the NFL, unquote. Dude, you are late to the dance. That's been going on for a while now. Here's another excerpt from the article. Quote, I'm glad the Steelers got to spend an entire offseason bitching about how Blake effing Bortles beat them at their own game. No team, not even the Patriots, got clowned harder at the end of last season, unquote. Okay, that's true too. Because Jacksonville beat the Steelers playing Steeler football. Pounded it out on the ground. Here's McGarry's shot at Mike Tomlin. I I hope I can make it through because it's really funny. I might might crack up. Quote, is this team ever on the same page? I have no idea how this team manages to make the playoffs on a consistent basis when no one in Pittsburgh is ever on the same page. They employ the only military veteran in the NFL and somehow manage to strand him out on an island when they stayed back in the locker room for the anthem. The quarterback hated the offensive coordinator. The receivers hated each other. The front office hates the running back. Everyone hates the quarterback. They can never properly execute an onside kick. I don't know how this team even ties its shoes. They're all so busy bitching about each other. Maybe they should hold a few meetings during the season or something. Unquote. Uh, That's an exaggeration, but it's rooted in truth. So anyway, that's on Deadspin. Not much on that site is worth reading, but McGarry usually is. An uproar among the Pitt fans right now, Pitt football fans, because Penn State won't play football against Pitt uh, past the four-year renewal of that rivalry, which is already half over. But Penn State just signed up for a two-year series with Temple, 2026-27. I'll be dead by then, so I don't care. But you can't blame Penn State because if you want to get into the playoffs... Get to those semifinals. You need X amount of wins. Recent history proves that. Penn State got screwed when they were Big Ten champs. But then again, thinking out loud, I'm not so sure that Pitt wouldn't very often be a sure win for Penn State. But you always got to remember, Penn State just doesn't see Pitt as a rival. Doesn't see playing Pitt as a big deal. Just because it used to be doesn't mean it still is. Talking to Pitt, Pitt at home Saturday, playing Albany, coached by Greg Gattuso of Beachview. If all of Beachview turns out, that could double the attendance. Going to be a lot of empty seats for that game and a lot of Pitt games where they don't play Penn State. Uh, Gattuso, a local guy. Seton LaSalle High School, played at Penn State, former assistant coach at Pitt, former head coach at Duquesne, just Pittsburgh through and through. Jim Sweeney, the former Steeler, Gattuso's high school teammate, an assistant coach under Gattuso at Albany. So it's a pleasure up next to have on Greg Gattuso, Albany coach, here on 105.9 The X.
And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, I'm super excited to be calling you right now. He's brittle. He's a mind. He's not an arm. He's a brain. He's not a body. The X at 105.9. The Great Danes of Albany are in time to play Pitt on Saturday at Heinz Field. Joining me now is a Pittsburgh guy, Beachview to be specific. He coaches Albany from St. LaSalle High School in Penn State. He is Greg Gattuso. Uh, Coach, you're coming home to a tough game at Heinz Field. Pitt, pretty heavily favored. How do you make this game as competitive as you'd like? And, and where do you feel like you guys might have an edge? Well, you know, that's the hard part. Is I've been on the other side of these games, and, you know, it, obviously they have a, an advantage in a many, many ways. And, um, we just feel like if we can play it, we have a pretty good system we play and we believe in. You know, we're not a high-risk team. You know, we're going to try to – if we can get a good start in the first quarter, and you know, I, I listened to you on our show up here, and, and the truth of the matter is you hit it on the nose. A great start, control the ball some, don't turn the ball over, eliminate silly mistakes, and put some pressure on them, um, you know, we'll have a chance. And, and it, the longer the game goes, the longer we're in it, the more confidence we'll play with. So, you know, we need to come out and obviously be aggressive, but um, we've got to step up and play our football game. If we get caught up in playing the, an ACC team or we're worried about it being pit or we're worried about Heinz Field, then uh, it doesn't work in our favor. So we'll be ready. we got a great plan in place, and uh, we just got to have a great start. Now, you were an assistant of Pitt for six years. What's it like emotionally for you to come back to Heinz Field and be on that other sideline? Yeah, you know, not so much that. I mean, it's it, emotionally, it's 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 all good. I mean, I, I'm excited about getting back, and so many friends I have over there: Chris Lasala, Rob Blank, you know, Vicky Klein, Lenny Kuntz in the athletic department, Pat Bostic, all those guys. You know, I, I know them well. Uh, I'm happy for them. My idol, Sam Clancy, um, works there, and and so there's there's a there's a for me there's a lot of fun in being home. We got a ton of people coming to the game. Um, you know, my sister-in-law, Kathy's retiring, having a tailgate before the game with 50, 60 people at it. So it's going to be fun. You know, I've heard from my Duquesne players in the past are coming. Some Penn State teammates of mine are coming. Some former players at Pitt are coming. Um, I, you know, it, it's just, it's like a little homecoming for me. So it's great, but it doesn't take away from preparing for a game, having a team ready to play and going out and executing. Now you guys went four and seven last year after a three and one start. Lost a bunch of close games. Where's the improvement going to come from this year? Well, first and foremost, we do get our All-American running back back in the fold. You know, he was a huge loss for us last year. Uh, E.B. Token Hanks is a, a great player. Um, you know, and we, we need him. He's a leader. We have had two pretty good backs now instead of last year we had a true freshman. Um, I think that the other improvement is going to come from our offensive line. Uh, we gave up a lot of sacks. You know, they were, we had four new starters. You know, it's tough when you're trying to break in a new offensive line. Um, so I think that there's a lot of solid things going on. Uh, we have a new offensive coordinator that I'm excited about. It's doing a good job. Sometimes that takes a little time. But ultimately, you know, we are an improved football team. We're bigger. Um, you know, we lost some heartbreakers last year in overtime to top 20 teams. But we still, you know, I mean, we're everyone talks about we're not Villanova. You know, when I hear about people that play Pitt, and I, I kind of giggle, we beat Villanova last year. So, um, we're a pretty good team, and, and um, they're going to treat us like Penn State. That's great. I hope they're worried about Penn State. Looking forward to that game next week because we're you know we're going to come in and play as hard as we can and play our game. Where's Pitt at in, in its fourth year under Pat Narduzzi? You know, I actually think you know I, I, he's in a pretty good place right now. I mean, one, 
I think if there was one thing that's been tough at Pitt is the turnover and coaching staffs. Um, you know, eight wins isn't good enough, I guess, sometimes, and all those things. And I think the commitment to Pat has been uh, something that's going to be huge for Pitt going forward. Uh, consistency in recruiting, consistency in your coaching staff, um, the philosophy, it, it starts building the foundation of having a program that can win and reach the upper level of the ACC. When you're just changing coaches every two or three years, it's awful tough. And I think that commitment from the university is going to really help him. And he's a, you know, he does a good job. They're, they're good on defense. You know, I've, I've seen him. I think Pickett's a good quarterback. Um, and I read a lot about, you know, he's kind of like, sounds like he's Dan Marino at times, but he's, he's a, he is a good back. He can, uh, quarterback, he can run, he can throw. And I, I can see why they're so excited about him there. Um, but they, you know, they're still in the process like we are of trying to turn the corner. It takes a few years to kind of get back in the upper echelon of your league. Now, you're in your fifth year at Albany. Are you a lot happier as a head coach, Greg, as opposed to an assistant at Pitt and also at Maryland? Uh, I know you pretty well, and you always seem to chafe as an assistant. <laughs> uh, you know, I love being a head coach. Um, I, I always have. You know, I, I sometimes there's days I wonder why I love it so much, but um, I, I, do, I do like setting the tone. I think for me um, – the big thing for me is I, it's all about our team and taking care of the kids. I, 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 I'm very big on taking care of my coaching staff. You know, I, I make sure that there's nights of the week they get home and see their families. And, you know, there's a way to do this intelligently that, that everybody can at least be happy and enjoy their experience playing football. And, and that's what I try to do, you know. And I think that um, we're building something here. Uh, we've made a lot of progress. Our record isn't exactly what we would like it to be. But it, we're we're certainly moving in that direction, and uh, but yeah, I, I I like being I mean being a pit assistant at Pitt was a you know was a great thing for me uh, my family we loved it you know we we, we miss it um, but ultimately I, I think that's my best job is being a head coach and and I really like what we're doing here. Jim Sweeney is one of your assistants. Uh, you guys went to high school and grade school together. What's that like working with Sweeney all these years later? He's, he's just unbelievable. I, I love having him around. You know, my coaching staff, I got a group of guys I'm very close with that always have my back. You know, we lost a couple this year. Uh, Bernard Clark, who's the new head coach at Robert Morris, is going to do an incredible job there. We were very close friends. He will help me build some of this. And, you know, Dave Plungis and Gabe LeVar are there. But we've been able to, to replace them with some really good coaches that fit in. Um, they understand, you know, my goal of how we treat kids and how we coach our players. Um, and, and it's great. And Jimmy leads the charge because it's, it's funny. He, you know, he does everything right. So it's hard for somebody to, to look at my friend from 50 years and, and think they can get away with anything because one, he does everything right. And two, he always has my back. So it's just very comforting having him here. We're talking to Greg Gattuso, head coach at Albany. Albany plays at Pitt this Saturday. Um, when I was on the radio at Albany yesterday, I talked about the 1979 Whippeal Championship game between Seton LaSalle and Knock. I was there. It was muddy. You were a running back, a big, bulky running back, and you were great, but, but, but it was disturbing, Coach. Uh, talk about that game, which you won, and I believe you scored both touchdowns. Yeah, you know, I heard that interview. You didn't quite use those nice words when you were describing me and running the ball in the mud. But, I may have uh, used the word disgusting. Yeah, disgusting popped out, but uh, no, it was, you know, it is, it's funny, you know, Tom Dono had this vision of me playing running back, and, you know, it came, it really helped when, 
what are you going to do? We played in a in a, a quagmire at North Allegheny Field, and you know we had a big, tough offensive line and a, a 265 pound fullback, so it just kind of made sense to plow up in there. And um, I was going to tell you, I actually literally have a clip of me running the ball from a game from two weeks earlier in the same kind of field conditions. If you want to see it, see how nimble versus disgusting. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a fine line between the two, to be sure. But 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 I want to note. You played D-line at Penn State, but you were an athlete. I mean, you started in basketball, too, in high school, which I was lucky enough to not see. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I loved playing everything. I, you know, it, there, was, there wasn't specialization back then, so, you know, which I think sometimes hurts kids today is kids get so locked in one. Thank goodness I had people and coaches and, that drove me into playing multiple sports because I – I wanted to be a basketball player, but you know I, I kind of don't fit the body type for the NBA. So um, I, I playing football was my least favorite thing when I was young, and it ended up being what I've made my whole life and my career out of is football. So it, you know, thank goodness for Frank Cipriani and Tom Donahue and Reggie O'Neill and those guys for getting me to to start loving football. Um, but yeah, I, I played everything, and, and I was you know fairly decent at things. I wasn't good at. I wasn't real good at school, but I was great at football and basketball. <laughs> well, we got to mention Tom Donahoe because he was your coach in high school. How many guys get to have a future NFL general manager as their coach in high school? Yeah, he's he's a he's what a to grow up and have mentors like I had. I was very fortunate. Oh, great! Donahoe's like the smartest football guy ever. He's you know, Mark. I tease him. I always say to him. Um, we talk often. He's, he supports me in every way. He's, he picks up the phone immediately if I call. He's, he's always there for advice. If we have a loss, I get a text message, something from him. Um, I told him, I said, when you signed on for Seton LaSalle, you didn't know you were going to be stuck with us all these years. And he laughs, but he's a truly amazing person. And, and that's, he, he's made me a better mentor because I take that very seriously. I want to help our young coaches. I want to help our players. Um, I take a lot of pride in, in, in their success, and I think that all comes from Tom Donovan. He, he's been incredible for me for 30 years. Think about that, 35 years. Who still calls their high school coach and talks to him all the time? <laughs> <laughs> now, I did see Jim Sweeney play deck hockey. That I That's saw. Right. It, it was like a multi-car pileup. You were pretty good. <laughs> I always patted my game after Tim Kerr. Yeah, you really had no choice given the lack of mobility, but but – but but how would you describe Sweeney? Who did Sweeney pattern his game after? Gosh, I, uh, I don't think there is. I think there's no one in the history of hockey. Maybe the Hanson brothers. Well, if you bring up uh, Jim Sweeney to all-time deck hockey great, your friend and my, Dave Dorsey, uh-huh. he still gets a bewildered look in his eyes all those years later. He was, you know, that playing deck hockey for you was was one of one of my favorite things in sports because we we had. We had a blast, and, and, and we were just a grunt. You know, Sweeney and I played <laughs> some for a while. We were the grunts. We were just – I stood in front of the net and watched Dorsey and all those guys just go to town, and what great athletes they were, and um, the whale and the goal. And, you know, and, and another guy who's a very underrated, was one of the best deck hockey guys I ever saw was Timbo McConnell. That's right. That's, That's right. right. He was he was incredible on, on deck hockey court. It's a shame he couldn't make money from deck hockey or – well, I'd be a lot richer than I am. Hey, getting back to football, what are the goals of a school like Albany? You guys are FCS Division One, big time, but not big, big time. 
ultimately, where do you want to get this program? Well, you know, in the FCS level, we play in the in the in arguably the best conference in the country. You know, there's certainly a debate for the uh, Missouri Valley, but when top to bottom, we play with in JMU and Delaware and Richmond and New Hampshire, Villanova. We're in a we're in a really tough league and and um, very similar to the Big Ten or the Southeast Conference and and the competitiveness of it. So. You know, we're, we're playing at a high level. Um, what we're trying to do is get in the playoffs and, and ultimately to win a conference championship here someday. And, you know, we really, two years ago, we, we should have been in the playoffs. We, we felt like we got robbed and we beat a bunch of teams, but we didn't make it in. We were 7-4. and four. Uh, Last year, we obviously slipped back a little bit, but still beat two playoff teams, beat a couple ranked teams, um, beat New Hampshire the last week, you know, and uh, so we, you know, we're, we're building something. I think we're, we're right at the cusp and I think that it's time for us to be consistent. I'm trying to get us to be consistent so we can start growing into that, you know, play, every year being in the playoffs or in the playoff hunt. And then obviously you try to win the conference every once in a while. Now, what do you tell your players before a game like Saturday at Pitt? They know they're punching above their weight a little bit. Do you want them to know that? Do you want them to think that? Yeah, they understand. We, we I'm, you know, I, I think you kind of know me well enough to know I'm, I'm a very honest person. I, I speak what I think is the truth, and you know, I told our guys we have to play really well to have any shot in this football game, and and that means we've got to be sharp. Lack of, you know, no penalties, limited penalties, no turnovers, uh, turn them over. Uh, they have all the pressure. I mean, they, you know, God forbid if Albany plays them tough, everyone will be screaming in Pittsburgh the whole next week. So, you know, we, we, we understand this matchup very well. Um, I just tell them they don't have anything to prove. I think that's the biggest problem in these matchups is they think they've got to prove something. They don't. We're a good football team. We're going to go out and line up, play our game, and uh, if, if we play it really well, we'll be, we'll be in the hunt at the end of the game. Say you lose by three. It's close, but you lose. Do you believe in moral victories? Well, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because the only sport that believes in moral victories is hockey. So, you know, well, why you do you say that? I, I certainly don't. And I'm a hockey guy. Well, but if you you lose in overtime, you get a point. There's a positive. I oh no, you're it. right. It's a legislated moral victory. It's a it's a legislated moral victory. I, I you know, <laughs> th- th- there's no such thing. It doesn't exist. You, you, it's it's either on the left column or the right column, and and it, and. You know, you, you can take some positives out of any loss, but ultimately, you know, you don't get anything positive out of losing a game. And I don't want my football team to think that and um, our players. So, you know, obviously we want to try to win the game. We, I, I wouldn't have scheduled it. We wouldn't be coming there. The paycheck isn't that big that we would come there and, and uh, just to get a check. It's me, the money's meaningless in this to us. Um, we, we're coming to play a football game and challenge ourselves and I, I wanted to schedule it in four years, five years out was good because I thought it would give us a time to have something built here, and I think we do. So, you know, these games can go either way. You, you know that, Mark. You could be a great FCS school and you can get hammered on the field, or you can come in and shock everybody. So, you know, we're going to come in and just play our game, be ourselves, and um, hopefully at the end of the day, boy, we'd love to have a chance to win this thing in the fourth quarter. Now, you mentioned your sister-in-law's big tailgate. Is there going to be a big crowd from Beachview at the game? Because I have a theory. If there's a big crowd from Beachview, the houses that belong to those people will probably be robbed by those who don't go to the game. Uh, you're dissing on my little town. That's not fair. <laughs> I, you know, hey, I love Beachview. I... Slice on Broadway. Give me a break here. Yeah, I was going to say, you better be careful. I, you know, we, <laughs> we can, 
I, I love you, but that one's a tough one, picking on beats you. So it's a possibility. Never happened. <laughs> Coach, is always a pleasure. Good stuff, and hey, good luck. We'll see you on Saturday. Thanks, Mark. Great talking to you. That's great, Gattuso. Albany, Great Danes, they take on Pitt Saturday at Heinz Field. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Just all kinds of loose women. Women in various states of moral decay. <laughs> I wasn't kidding. The X at 105.9. Thanks to Caduso for joining me. Always a pleasure to talk to him. Jim Sweeney playing deck hockey back when it was like watching a water buffalo run through a crowded kindergarten classroom. Hey, I got to get back to this Penn State Pitt thing. And remind Pitt fans there is no Penn State Pitt thing. I spoke before about Penn State signing a two game series with Temple in 26 and 27, and of course they're halfway through this four-game series with Pitt and aren't going to renew it after that. Nobody ever sounds like bigger babies than Pitt fans when you talk about Penn State, specifically when Pitt fans talk about Penn State not playing them. Penn State's not afraid to play Pitt. Although the rivalry in Pitt's mind makes the game a potential upset as we saw two years ago. But the Pitt game means nothing to Penn State. It means a lot to Pitt. It means nothing to Penn State. And uh, if ever you give Pat Narduti a chance to act like an a-hole, he will embrace it like a long-lost lover. He will run across the beach and jump into its arms. When he got told that Penn State was going to play Temple, he shrugged his shoulders, smirked, and said, Ha! Figures. Wait till Penn State sticks it up your rectum in just a couple of weeks. Or, or did you forget that was coming up? I'm estranged from Pitt football. Because I think Pat Narduzzi's just a horse's ass. He's 21 and 17 as a head coach. He's not a patch on Jim Franklin's ass. His program isn't a patch on Penn State's ass. And he makes cracks like that. What a dink. He would be the best selling item at any doucheteria. Ha! Figures. I hope Penn State beats Pitt by 50. No, 60. No, wait, 70 as much as possible when the teams meet. And would I like to see Pitt and Penn State play from a fan's perspective? Yes, I would. But unlike Pitt fans, Pitt fans are the biggest crybabies anywhere. Unlike Pitt fans, I understand why Penn State doesn't want to do it. And I understand the value of playing Temple and getting sure wins in a college football playoff system where wins over weak teams help. I don't know who Pitt fans are mad at. It's it's not Penn State. I don't know who Pat Narduzzi's mad at. It's not Penn State. No quarter brought to you by 84 Lumber. Excuse me, by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at cwelectricalservices.com. 
84 Lumber rears its very helpful head in the next segment. Uh, by the way, Monday, there will be a change on the show. Uh, we'll be replacing Sick Again with a different song. We'll be replacing the opening number, Too Hot to Handle by UFO, with a different song as well, as well as a great sound effect from a TV series that premieres next Tuesday. So that's something to look forward to. Oh, wait, we're off Monday. I'll be at Schultz Ford Monday for for my holiday appearance. But uh, Tuesday we'll debut some of the new bells and whistles on the show. Because let's face it, when the B team has rearranged their lineup using exactly the same guys but putting some in different spots, well, we have got to live up to the standard we've set here. And that's how we'll do it. Something that requires as little work as possible. By the way, I do appreciate a few people have tweeted asking about my health. Because I've been pretty sick for 14 days. And when I say sick, I can work. Obviously, I am. As long as the bathroom's within 10 feet, I can work. Or do whatever I could do if a bathroom's within 10 feet. Uh, Now, I've lost 16 pounds in two weeks. If I knew I'd be 100% at the end of two more weeks, I'd try to, like, slog through it. I'd, I'd want to. But I, you know what, too? I got, I got criticized for this on one of the media websites for talking about this. I talk about my life, bro. You know, I get personal. I would think people like that. In fact, I know they do. So I had blood taken yesterday, and I had to go home last night and uh, gather stool samples in four separate vials. You don't ever want to do that at home. It's no fun to do anywhere but not at home. But the good news is the blood test came back and I'm fine. The bad news is we still don't know what's wrong. Probably some kind of exotic, horrible flesh-eating disease. Like just when they say, well, Mr. Madden, we, we don't know what it is. The minute they say that, my right foot will fall off. I want your comments on the Pit Penn State thing. And boy... What cliche topics, the Pitt-Penn State thing, that never goes away. The Lev Bell thing was revived by what James Harrison said. Oh, here's a good item. Something different. Antonio Brown is going to have a huge treehouse built in his backyard. And the construction of it is going to be on TV. A.B. also wrote an article for the Players' Tribune website about how he made it despite being too small. And the key factor was he believed in himself. Those things are all ghost-written. I bet Heinz Ward was the ghost-writer on this one. When is the spotlight going to give Antonio Brown a break? When, Lord? When can A.B. have some peace? Remember that routine? A.B. saying to the media, you guys put pressure on me every day. It ain't freedom. And now he's on a TV show about treehouses. They didn't show up one day with cameras and barge they went into the backyard. That's something A.B. negotiated and wants to do. He's a great wide receiver. The best wide receiver in football. But A.B. is a total dipstick. Uh, The Williams sisters are going to play each other in the U.S. Open. That is one great success story for women and for tennis. And I wish we could soon move on to another story. Why don't we talk more about that Sloane Stevens? 
Great women's player. She's won a major. She's a woman of color. We just stick to the same stories for way too long. Tiger in golf. Then again, the difference between Serena in tennis and Tiger in golf is that Serena could still win a major. 412-333-9939. This is the Mark Madden Show. In just a moment, we're going to talk more Lev Bell. And I'm going to tell you why. If Lev Bell skipped the first 10 games, I'm going to tell you why he'd still be okay in free agency. That's 30 seconds away on 105.9 The X.